0: I want to welcome everybody to Holistic Resistance podcast this evening. Um, this podcast particularly is about our ancestors. Um, my aunt Juanita passed away this week. Her funeral was yesterday. Um, that'd be September 4th to um, 2020. And I last year recorded an interview with her. I sat down and talked to her about the church in Los Angeles, was at the time, and I guess still is at risk, but a lot less at risk now. Uh, At the time was at risk of being shut down because she was the last member attending church. Um, We had no more members of the church that were attending. Her and her son, Paul, came to church every Sunday. And she was hoping to raise funds to rebuild the church. And I was assisting in that. I don't live in Los Angeles, but I was going, you know, once a month to support her and to think about that ministry and what we want to do with this hundred year old building. And at the end of the interview, I asked her to just, if she was open to praying, um, and we're going to play a clip of that prayer that she prayed. Cause I want to introduce my Aunt Juanita to you all. And we talk a lot about holding black stories and this is a painful, beautiful, Powerful experience of Amanita, who is my mother's eldest sister. Um, I think she was around 85 when she passed away. So here's a clip of my Amanita.
1: Just like I've been benefited. Just like I've had the experience of being here. We believe that this is a place that was built for the saving of souls. Praise the Lord. That's what we came here for, and that's what we stay here for, and that's what we worship here every week for, is the saving of souls. Rescue our children rescue our grandchildren and great-grandchildren and all those that wish to come here. Anyone in it, as I prayed many times, anyone in the county of Los Angeles that want
2: to find the Lord,
1: send them here. This is an open door. Our hearts are open. Our arms are open. Bless our meeting here dear lord preserve this building and your name correct the conditions that are in it and may we have funds to continue on That let thy name be glorified in the earth yes lord praise glory and honor we give to thy name we ask this in the almighty name of jesus
0: mm. hmm we'll stop the clip there um yeah what was that like for you Porsche, to hear that, what are you feeling?
2: I think for myself, as I listen to the clip of Aunt Juanita, I can just, I can feel the conviction in her voice. I can hear the weight of what she is holding. And I think what isn't particularly clear to me in listening to this prayer, um, is that she wasn't just holding a prayer, she wasn't just ho- holding a burden for herself, but there was, there was the conversation of her as a black elder, black elder woman, and still carrying the notion and the stories of black women holding the village down.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and the village symbolically representing, you know, she prayed, she said the saints, she said the children, she said the grandchildren, she's praying for generations and i know i think the other thing that just like runs chills through my body as i just like listen to that it's like i know that i know that some of those prayers involved us sitting here mm-hmm. i know our names were in those prayers yeah that even when we weren't physically with her she was always holding us always
0: Hmm. I I can't agree with you more. And I, I'm sitting here because I feel like there's something about our elders that are passing away right now. And I say right now because Anita, my grandmother Johnson, had witnessed Jim Crow and, and colored people only narratives. And they, they saw that, that was a part of their childhood. And when I think about her praying for this church that's been standing for a hundred years, actually little over a hundred years, because 1919 was when it was built. So it was a hundred years old in 2019, is what it took for black folks to gather. Yeah, and where could we gather safely? Yeah, what was a sacred place for Black folks in America? Exactly, where where we all kind of could know we can go to and learn how to public speak, we can learn how to write, we can learn how to be in community, we can maybe take on some of the family carnage around trauma around like addiction.
2: Yeah,
0: it was our rehab.
2: Exactly, you
0: know, it was our doctor. It was um, therapy. It was our therapy, and uh, Anita speaks of a generation of people that relied on prayer yep. exclusively and oh, i needed a lot of natural healing she ate really well and cared for her body in a way that um, is very powerful and beautiful and also there's a piece of if i didn't document her prayer and just a year ago and I actually had intentions, of course, to always interview her again. Mm-hmm. Would we have any actual documentation of her praying? She prayed a thousand prayers. <sighs> but I would say that that's the only documentation of her actually praying. Yeah. I don't know that to be true. Yeah. It could be some cassette tape somewhere, somewhere, but
2: yeah.
0: for all intents and purposes of accessibility to us right now in this era. We, this is, if, if you want to know, what it, wanted it to sound like? And I sit here right now, we're recording this podcast inside of our church in Baldy Mesa, and I look over and I see a, a photograph of Grandpa Chandler and Grandma Chandler and Grandma Johnson and Sister Olive. And I know two of those people. I've never met Grandpa Chandler. Mm-hmm. i only seen maybe all of 30 seconds of video of him walking. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's like 20 seconds. And I've heard audio recordings of him preaching on a cassette tape. And same thing for Grandma Chandler. At this moment, I don't even have a recording of Grandma Chandler. Mm. But there's a way in which preserving the voices mm. of our ancestors immediately is important to me. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to share it here on this podcast, because I don't know if there's other recordings of her. And if I have a, like Trenton, right? Trenton has pictures with her, but he doesn't know her. He's going to get older and be like, oh, I do to need to, you know? Mm-hmm. who's that wanita and, and, and this is COVID time so we couldn't go to her service mm-hmm. she had a, a great size so we didn't feel safe to go
2: mm-hmm.
0: he couldn't go but keeping their voices if anyone said define a they would say define her by her prayer she yep. prayed Yeah, she was a praying warrior yep. and for me that feels important as far as the legacy of what she laid out for us
1: yeah
0: and I don't have any audio of her husband, Uncle Leon. Mm. I just talked to him a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I've been to his house in his life, but I don't have any video footage of him. They might, The family might, but I don't have any. Uh, um, Phoebe had some footage. I think she shot some stuff as like one of his 50th anniversary, or one of their anniversaries they had. Yeah. She had a video, of okay. can come and interviewed them. So I think that video of Uncle Leon, but I don't have that footage. It's probably on like VHS. And I don't know what clause is in, because she's passed away. So I just know that like these are just folks that are part of our ancestry that I wanna invite you all, especially those African heritage folks that might listen to this podcast, but really everybody is document your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Document your grandmas, your great grandpas, have them tell stories, have them sing songs, whatever they do, whatever their thing is. I think it's important to, to document them. You know, mm-hmm. this is the era of time we have Cell phone, video footage of everything. So for me, what comes up is the eerie feeling of like, I almost missed this. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't find the file, of course, because I had it amongst all my other files. Mm-hmm. And Cisco went and looked for it and found it. So it's a way in which it's almost got kind of got lost. Yeah. And, that, and that, that's heartbreaking and also it's powerful to hear it. So for myself, Portia, I'm, I want you to speak about, if you don't mind, because you lost your grandmother this year. Mildred, mm-hmm. which is her younger sister, right? Because it in the context of family, is on my side of the family. So me and you are cousins because your grandmother and my mother are siblings. Mm-hmm. Your grandmother passed away this year, Juanita passed away this year, and your mom passed away a year ago or a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. So just seeing these black women transition, that's a lot to tra- track because now the, the baton is being handed over to you in a lot of ways in your, your generation. Um, or I guess your your uncles are above you, but you're next in line, uh, of just living your life and living your vision. Do you have a sense of the magnitude of that loss in the last just year and a half? I wanna we'll be clear, none of the deaths are attached to COVID as far as we know. These are all just heart disease and cancer and other things.
2: Yeah. You know, Aaron, as you as you ask that question, um, yeah, I, I, I can feel I can feel the grief. It's very much so. It's very much so present in my body, and I think that there's a part of me that has been um, just just trying to figure out a way how to process so much grief mm-hmm. that feels. It, it feels in some ways like. An overflow of waves that are constantly coming, and just when I barely come up for air, the other wave hits me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's definitely a level of grief for the, you know, for the for the passing. But it's not just the concept of the passing in itself. I think it's. I think it's a part of the the grief of noticing, the ways in which. You know, for my for my mother and my grandmother, they they had a different they had a different journey. They had a different way of trying to figure out how to find their liberation amidst oppression. In relation to someone like Aunt Juanita, right? These are folks who didn't necessarily always know how to call on God. Didn't necessarily know how to move through these things, and so. I, I feel a tremendous amount of grief around the conversation of just like the fact that we even have to highlight the documentation of ancestors and like just highlighting the conversation of what it means to document black women and to document our elder black women who have given you know the, the their, their lives and, and thinking to try to support us and I also recognize that there's a level of deep grief that I hold that there was a level of accessing of liberation in mind that some of these black women couldn't access um, amidst the levels of oppression that sat on their back. You know, I think about, I think about my mother who, who I personally also interviewed. And, um, And in that interview, her speaking about the levels of carnage that she endured as a child Mm -hmm. and trying her best to figure out how to break free Mm -hmm. from that. And some of those unfortunate and and, and along those lines, the unfortunate things are that some of it came with a level of pain and duplication of toxic behavior that wasn't healthy, but I could see my mother and it's something about her being gone now that I can see. Even more clearly, how even at her best, oh, 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 oppression was constantly sitting on her, mm-hmm. right. And there's this place where I look at I look at my mother who came from such in depth carnage of of trying to figure out how to find herself as a black woman, as a black plus size woman, and 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 it's the grief from both a personal level that then leads into a systemic being able to see the level of damage that from the emotional pain of not being able to, to, to process her years of, of sexual abuse, years of being of being harmed and not seen and, and not being able to get the access to therapy or support that she needed. And then turn around and saying, I want to raise children and I want to support my kids and I want to be here for them. I genuinely believe that my mother tried to do the best that she could, but she was holding so much that it was hard to see. And so in that, just like leading into this conversation of what it means to notice how oppression even impacts our ancestors and that our ancestors are doing the absolute best that they can, whether we approve or not, they're doing the absolute best that they can with what they're given to try to support us, you know, and to try to move us forward and those of those of the uh you know those of people who know of my mother and their story they know the depths of what i hold around that but what i will say in leading to my grandmother is that 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 you see you see how it's all linked you see how the hurts and the things that weren't processed in my grandmother but her trying to love her daughter her trying to do the best that she could leading to my mother, that's now on me. Mm. So I hold a tremendous amount of weight around that conversation, recognizing that at 27 years old, I'm the oldest living black woman straight down the line that my grandmother's gone and my mother's gone. And my older sister passed away at the age of 11. And so there's definitely a level of clarity of the weight that I hold and trying my absolute best to try to find the liberation that they couldn't find Mm -hmm. and recognizing. And I think what's, what's, what feels so difficult about this conversation is because, you know, we look at aunt Juanita and we look at my mother and my grandmother and we, we, they all come down the same tree, Mm -hmm. but we have two different ways that Mm -hmm. our lives went. We have Mm -hmm. two different branches that we're taking. Right. And so that's for like a whole nother podcast, but in the depths of that, I'm constantly thinking about my nieces and nephews. I'm constantly thinking about the next generation mm-hmm. and how the way I am with myself, the way I'm tracking my liberation from my mind, from my body, from my spirit is influencing them. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about Trenton being mm-hmm. able to see Aunt Juanita. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't even have to guess. I know Aunt Juanita prayed for Trenton. Yep. I know Aunt Juanita kept Trenton in her heart and mind and cherished the moment she saw Trenton so for Trenton to be 20-21 years old and to be like that's my Aunt Juanita that's really important Mm -hmm. I think about your dad I think about Uncle Travis and being able to see videos of Mm -hmm. him preaching and and doing the work that that meant the most to him you know and being able to do God's work which was where his heart and his mind was um, And it's just clear to me, the level of depth, the level of depth that our ancestors felt that I don't even have words for all that they felt. Mm -hmm. But the last thing I'll share about uncle Travis in particular is that uncle Travis, he held a level of, uh, of conviction around my family. Mm -hmm. Like he knew, he knew things, and the ways that we needed help, and the way that we needed support, I think about the, the the nights of him showing up at two o'clock in the morning because my mother was having a panic attack, mm-hmm. and she couldn't she couldn't hold a lot of the things she was holding in her body, and just him laying her hand his hands on her and praying, he wasn't just praying for my mother, he was praying for me, yep. he was praying for my other siblings, he was praying for my nieces and nephews because he knew that by supporting this black woman, you don't just heal one. You heal 30, you heal a whole, you heal generations in that process. So that's what I'm holding is that it's not just me. It's I'm just a part of the puzzle, but what I do can either heal or harm the next 30 coming. Mm.
0: Thank you, Portia. I think we're gonna make this a two segment podcast just because there's so much to share. And I, I just wanna close this chapter of this podcast around, noticing our ancestors and noticing the ones that I haven't met, but they have been trying to reach for me. They thought of me before I was even uttered into existence. And so in that we get to do the same thing for the next generation. We get to think of them and not just the ones that are in our bloodline. I'm not want to just limit ourselves to bloodline here. I think it's powerful, but I want to just talk about our circle of influence.
2: And there's, there's another a- thing that i want to touch on specifically aaron because i me being a mentee of yours i've witnessed you many times in this category but there's a there's a deep knowing that i when i when i think about you and witnessing you that you've always from from what i can remember and being a young young person you've always been about documenting you've always been about mm-hmm. documenting people of color and black folks and like I think about even sitting here in the church all of our pictures of, of, of anyone who ever walked in this church and portraits were because of you being like hey mm-hmm. y'all let's document this let's take a picture mm-hmm. let's look at my last family portrait with every single one of my family members would be non-existent yeah. if it wasn't for your documentation
1: mm-hmm.
2: can you can you speak a little bit to that about what very first put you put your heart and mind to it's not just oh let's get take a picture it's like no this needs to happen there's a there's a urgency there's a there's a a clarity in your documentation i'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to that
0: well yeah this is important that's partly what this podcast is about i want to preserve the stories some of the thinking some of our visions and for myself it's you know i always do my friendships this way too I go, oh, I met Jen Meek. And Jen Meek introduced me to Ginny Pearl. Mm-hmm. Pearl. And Ginny Pearl, and it goes on and on. And who I just have a lineage in my mind. And so I feel like when I think of my grandmother Johnson, which is on my dad's side, and how much she contributed, I, I, I think by way of just acknowledging that I'm a summation of their trauma, of their talent, of their prayers, of their songs. And so I think taking documentation, it helps me a lot when I see video footage of my dad riding a little donkey um down the street on a high eight video of like him goofing off, because he never was goofy when I was when he was adult mm. with me. He was pretty serious and he worked hard. He's a good father, but mm-hmm. he wasn't a goofball. Mm-hmm. He had passed that part of his life having five kids. Um he was past it. That. So there's a way in which you get to see yeah. um the young, the old elders in their sexual prime, in their active prime, in mm. their in their working prime, in their and you start to see yourself in them. You start to see, oh, that's their trauma they're carrying. That's, see, it's not, I, I don't just document pictures for the beauty of history, which is important. But I also believe we can see trauma in pictures. Mm. We can see circumstances, economic brackets. There's so much to be shared mm. in a photograph. There's a photograph when we were basically homeless, living on a five-acre plot of land. And we were just sitting there. I have a picture of me at these boots. And my jeans are tucked inside. I'm dusty. I'm with my dog. And I'm just sitting there. And you know that boy is like poor. You know he loves being in nature and you know he loves his dog, mm. right? And I mean, behind me is all this spicy junk. because mm. old pieces of things that are gonna get worked out at some point.
2: Uh-huh.
0: That tells you something about that young man. Without even, you know, without even knowing his story, you can start putting things together. And then if you happen to know it's me, you go, oh, snap. Oh, that picture's important. That's your story. Mm. And there's a way in which part of of, of what I think America's done so masterfully on a national level, is really curated and altered the black story. Mm. And we hear these films that come out now about these amazing things that black people did, and I'm like, why didn't we not hear about this for 30 years, 40 years? Because mm-hmm. America's like, we don't wanna know that black women supported the NASA.
2: We don't wanna know that. Mm.
0: So there's a way in which there's sacrifices and sacrifices and sacrifices. That go undone, not just on a national level, but on a personal family level. Right. And if we don't say something about it, if we don't document it, if we don't get our cameras out and understand this is important, white folks, America, generally speaking, would not care. Right. And so I find it to be valuable for as long as our generation can last and our people are interested in how they got to where they are. This is family and extended family. Because we have people outside of our own family circle. I want them to know how we got there, because how we got there gives a lot of information of what they're holding. So mm-hmm. for me, that's the general sense of the power of documenting our stories. And I think I've come in clear recognition of that fact over the last 10 years. Yeah. I think early on as a professional photographer, it was just the beauty of having an opportunity to document the people you love. But very quickly, when people started to die and I started seeing generations pass away and I look back at those pictures. Even look at my dad's professional studio picture, and I see the side of his face. His smile is kind of awkward because the side of his doesn't quite work. And I hear a message and preacher about him having a stroke, basically. And he was like in his early 30s, and he got a stroke. He had a stroke early 20s, mid 20s. He had a stroke, and he was laid it down. He didn't even go to the doctor. But if you think about the whole side of his face not working, all the signs of a stroke, he was like literally just like laid down and rested this one out. And God called us in ministry. Well, when you look at his portrait, the last portrait I ever shot of him, his smile is a little crooked. And I know his smile is a little crooked because that's still some residue from that stroke. So it just mm. shows a little bit, a little bit of history in that picture mm. that I understand. So pictures reveal that. Pictures give it. You know, that like Grandpa Chandler, right now, across the church, right now, i like Grandpa Chandler, standing next to his car or his briefcase, he's standing up straight. That tells me something. Mm. It tells me that when I walk around standing up straight, it's not by like accident. Mm. When I feel strong in my body, it's not an accident. That's my grandfather. And if I had a picture of his grandfather, I can guarantee you he'd probably standing up straight too. He's standing up strong, I don't care where he's at, he's standing up strong, I could sense it. Because it, it was given to me before I even knew I was getting it. <laughs> you know? So these pictures can reveal some of that. And, and I, I think that photographing black bodies on all their levels is a gift. It's a beautiful thing. And I think if you are a person that can document your family, I say do it. And understand it's a document. It's not just a precious memory. It's a a living document of evidence that not just you were here, but what you want to give to those going forward. So mm. that's why I did it. That's why I do it. This is definitely a longer podcast. So we're going to come back and can do some more. I think I'm going to try and check out my mother and talk to her about um, her sister who just died, and and talk to her about some of our elders that I never met, but she met. All right, we'll stop our podcast here. We want to thank everybody for listening. Um, this podcast is a precious one for us. Yeah. It might turn into a series, knowing us, but we want to share our stories. We want to share our visions, and we're honored to have you all on this journey with us.
2: Absolutely. We know that some
0: of you all listen to this podcast tomorrow. Yeah. And some of you want to listen to it next year, but however you enter into this podcast, know that Holistic Resistance is committed to preserving not only our stories, but all the stories of black folks that want to get documented or need to be documented. We want to to make this a a community effort. So in that, we're gonna stop here and we hope that you can hold these stories, uh, hold close to your heart and know that we're invested in honoring uh, the grief. Yes.
2: Yeah. Was... And just want to also just want to notice that and being with these black stories and holding these black stories, just want to invite and notice what's running through your hearts and minds mm-hmm. as you listen to the stories, as you sit with the prayers from Aunt Juanita to Aaron and my sharing in real time and um, just really appreciating, just really appreciating that you've taken time out of your day. And took in time to slow down enough in a society that tends to be going fast. I know we're in COVID, so it slows us down inevitably. But just really noticing what it means to sit with these stories and to notice these stories. And, um, yeah, just just appreciating that.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Portia. We're going to wrap up here. I want to give an invitation. If you go to our website, we have several um, funds going on. Um, And one of the funds I want to mention, because particularly we're utilizing it right now is the Grief to Action Camp. We're raising um, as much money as possible. I think it's more accurate, but we're raising close to $100,000. We're trying to raise close to $100,000 to, um, on this church property, it's four and a half acres, to create a space for folks, particularly African heritage folks, small groups this COVID time, um, to grieve. To grieve, and after we finish grieving, to do some think tanks on what actions do we want to take?
2: Yeah.
0: What what actions do we want to take after the grief? I think there's so much wisdom in grief. So the grief to action camp is a powerful, powerful tool that we want to utilize. And so we don't know when you'll we'll listen to this, but I imagine this fundraiser is going to be ongoing. Uh, black grief is going to be continuous and deep, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's going to get even deeper. And so the grief to action camp for me is a a critical piece of of what we do here at of Resistance for Black Folks and and yeah if you're interested in giving and supporting that switch our website and uh, we have several options to click on uh, holisticresistance.com and uh, send your donations to and this note that is for the grief to action camp through the paypal link there and if it says COVID, it's fine Just note in the file that are in the paypal notes that it's for Grief to action and we'll make sure it gets to that particular project thank you all uh thank so you 30 all. minute really episode this but time. so happy you could be with us